0: still don't actually know the name of this podcast yet, but we are the Tofty Brothers, which I think would be a good name for a podcast, but like everything else, we disagree on that because this is a podcast about us disagreeing on movies, basically, because I don't know if there's one movie that we actually both like, so... I'm sure there's a few. Maybe. Um, but I'm Kenton, and this is my brother Trent, um, he's not Trenton, and I'm not Kent or Kenny or Ken, um... Just to get that out of the way. He's Trent, and I'm Kenton. That's that's what it is, and I don't know why we were named that way. But that's that's a bigger just podcast. on. That's, um, that's an episode for a second podcast. So the the reason this came together. Uh, so we we live uh, we, we just we've we both moved out of our parents' place, and we live an hour and a half away from each other. And so, in an effort to try to maintain some connection, I'm you know trying to come up and see this guy once in a while. So we can watch a movie together and talk about it. And normally these conversations are, they've taken place over Facebook and, uh, you know, just around the house annoying our parents. But, uh, you know, it's its time for the rest of the world to experience whatever this is. I don't know anyone will listen to this, and I'm just ahead of time sorry if you are. You surely have better things to do with your time. But... I'm, this is this is a podcast because we need to be on the internet like everybody else. So, here we are. Um, I don't know, do, you, do you have any other means of introduction? No. Nope. Not too... Per- okay, cool. That's that's probably about as much as you need to know about us. Um, so, to begin with, uh, Star Wars has been a pivotal part of both of our lives. I can barely remember any time when I didn't know about Star Wars. Or, and so...
1: I don't uh, remember a time before Star Wars.
0: Yeah, not... Not really. Uh, I mean, we were we we were born into the Star Wars era, to be sure. Well, of and course we were watched it born at the into ages. the era.
1: Yeah, the era started like twenty years before we even
0: existed. Something something like that. But uh, so our first objective now, now. Trent does not believe that we will actually make it past seven podcasts, but I'm going to prove this wrong because we are going to watch all of the. Star Wars films in the order that the story is told. So all nine of the the trilogy films, the trilogy of trilogies, and but but we're also
1: including Rogue One and Solo, and we're we're still debating whether or not to include The Mandalorian. By but
0: by the time we we get to that point, I'll probably have finished the season of The Mandalorian. That will that that does deserve its own podcast for sure as I have a lot of opinions about it. I'm I'm trying to convince him
1: that we also need to include the Clone Wars and Rebels, but the jury's still out on that.
0: Yeah, if you've if you have any means to give feedback to this podcast, I suppose we can vote. But uh, so just just uh just a little earlier, just not not even an hour ago, we finished watching Star Wars Episode One: The, the Phantom, Phantom Menace. The Phantom Menace, and uh, yeah, so. For, you know, what I'd actually like to know. So, what are your first memories of this film? Of that film in particular? Mm-hmm. Like, do you even remember the first time you saw it? Because I can't actually remember the first time we saw it, really. Like, I, I mean, I, I remember
1: reading a bunch of behind-the-scenes stuff before we saw the movie. Mm-hmm. But after...
0: You do? Yeah. Because you would have been pretty young at the time. Yeah, this would have been 1999, so I would have been. You don't, you don't have to give your exact age, but yeah, I mean, it, w- it would have been. I, I didn't say how old. I
1: said this would have been 1999 mm-hmm. when the movie came out. So I, I recall that. Uh, I recall reading. Um, We had a magazine called Explore that they did a huge, mm. huge thing about this particular movie because there was so much at the time, revolutionary technology involved in the making of it. There was, there was. Mm-hmm. And so I really remember that before... I, I really remember that I read that, like, obsessively before I ever actually even saw the movie.
0: I think I must have looked at the pictures, yeah. But I remember <laughs> I remember the article. Actually, watching the movie brought that memory back because I remember there's, like, the scene where he's standing... Requigon and... Watto. Watto are standing in the, like, the... The pod racers, pit, right? I guess pod racers garage or whatever. side yeah. And there's like a there's like a with and without CGI picture the magazine had. Mm-hmm. It was, I remember. It's it really the, weird. Like the, the, the difference two girls, is very stark. The two girls are actually there, even though they look like they should not exist because they're the weird head things. But apparently that's that all. Costume. That's all costume. Yeah. But I guess the other the other the pot the guy. Sebulba. Sebulba wasn't, right? He's... And also his chair was different. Probably.
1: And there were also a bunch of other background things that were different too, but...
0: That means they were just massaging midair, air right? No, there was a physical chair. It just didn't look the yeah, way... Yeah, but where were they massaging? Uh, touche. I don't know. That's... <laughs>
1: that's another mystery.
0: That's a, that's a challenge of acting. Those people didn't have lines. They just had to massage something they couldn't see. That's something else, right? Yeah. Anyway. Um... Yeah, I, I, this, I'm actually, you know, so we've argued about this film a lot, I'm actually going to go pretty easy on it, because the more I've thought about it, I fondly remember this film just from the hindsight of this, this being the first Star Wars film that I was alive for it being a new thing, you know, like this, I, I remember the excitement and the buzz and talking about it at the lunch table in school and going to Walmart and seeing the toys, you know, I, I. I just remember all the hype around this this film, you know, and it was, you know, it was exciting then and even now. I think it's, I'm amazed that I got to live to see this thing happen and, you know, I'm more, you know, to the point, one of the observations about Star Wars in general, it's one of the few things that has, you know, existed in different stages of our time. That we know of, like, you know, it was originally produced in, what, the late 70s, early 80s, then mm-hmm. again in the, you know, early 2000s, and now again in the late 2010s, and, like, it's got to be a product of all and of those it's eras. it's gonna and,
1: be continuing still.
0: Right. And, what's probably and more interesting, I don't... think that's probably the most yeah.
1: interesting to me, there are probably Star Wars shows and movies that will be created that we will never live to see.
0: That's a- Fine thought, but it's true. It's wow. actually true. Yeah, nah, um, that's really sobering. Yeah, uh, there are
1: probably Star Wars things I, that we will never live to see. That's, that's all.
0: That's almost a whole another podcast. Well, I was trying to actually think earlier because, you know, there there are a lot of franchises that have lasted a long time. Like James Bond, for instance, has gone from you know long before we were born, and they're still making movies now. Um, Scooby Doo. You know, Scooby Doo. I um, believe just celebrated sixty years. Yeah, that's that's a long tenure. You know, very superhero franchises. Batman has you know gone on since the nineteen thirties, nineteen thirty nine, I believe. Yep, but I think Star Wars is intriguing because I can't actually think of any other franchise that the person who thought of it, made it, finished it, put it on the shelf for like twenty years, and then made it again. Well, okay, so that's an interesting point. You
1: say he made it and he finished it, and then he put it on the shelf. Well, I don't think that's entirely true. See, he made it, and then he always, I think, at some point, at least on some subconscious okay, level, yeah, I, I, planned
0: that he would eventually that, come back to was, it. That wasn't the best choice of words. He made, but he made it like there was a you know a long gap, like decades gap between like the last. Star Wars movie between, and this
1: one. So like, when you say that, like, you mean between the Return of the Jedi and the yeah. Phantom Menace?
0: Okay, right. yeah. Uh, I I I don't actually know of any other film franchise that's been like that except for Indiana Jones, just the same director. That yeah, that you get to, you get different the different directors, same produced Produ- Okay, sorry, that's that's different. We're not experts here. Apparently, um, I'm an expert. Okay, thank he's you. I. Yeah, I'm self proclaimed expert. Thank you as most experts are. Um, the <laughs> No, most
1: experts are actually not, but that's beside the point.
0: <laughs> but it is interesting, because, like, this is a rare... I don't know, like... Because it got to be a product of its time, but by the same person. That's a very intriguing Okay, thought.
1: but, see, like, you have been always very adamant that you do not enjoy this Clone Wars series. But, George Lucas, who created all of Star Wars... Had a hand in Clone Wars.
0: Okay, so he got three chances at it. I guess I don't know.
1: So he had. A, so he had Clone Wars. That's even. I guess that's more
0: fascinating than technically.
1: He right. He had we, Rebels. Yeah. He had the prequel trilogy. He had the original trilogy. And then he gave it all away sure. and was like, "You well, know I what? Didn't give it away." <laughs> well, uh, he he gave it away for a bunch of green and was like, "This is not my problem anymore."
0: Yeah, that's that's a. That's, that's a sad way to put it, but... I guess.
1: <laughs> but it's not well, inaccurate. What,
0: what I think is more interesting, though, it's like is in the, that...
1: It's like the, the thing at the yeah. Indiana Jones where they're like, we're sorry, okay, we're sorry we made this movie. And he holds up the box with the box office money and goes, I'm not sorry.
0: But more, more than any of that, though, I think it's interesting that the tone of these films, I think, takes on their era. Like, the tone of, you know, the original trilogy... The prequel trilogy, and now the postquel trilogy, I guess we'll call it. The sequel trilogy the sequel. is what people on the internet are referring okay. to it as. Sorry, I am I guess I'm not on the internet. I'm just putting podcasts there. Uh, but, like, they all have, like, you have to agree, they all have, like, radically different feel. Absolutely. Right. But,
1: and there are... That's just interesting. But they are, okay, you say they all have radically different feel. That is true, but to some extent, all of them still... ...feel like they're part of the same universe. See, that's what really is so cool about Star Wars... ...is you can take all these different things. Like, you can take the Mandalorian, okay? You can take the Old Republic. You can take literally any era from Star Wars mm, Star Wars history... ...and it still feels like Star Wars. There are still certain aspects no matter what era you're talking about, I know, that said feel Je- like
0: Star Wars. You said The Last Jedi didn't feel like Star Wars. But...
1: This is true, because The Last Jedi felt like a documentary about Star Wars. It didn't feel like I was experiencing the Star Wars universe.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, we're, we're a long way from that. Don't worry, y'all. Um, we're, we're, yeah. Well, you know the other interesting thing? That I, I think really... and This is why I, I actually fondly tie myself tie memory to this move, tie fond feelings to this film, I think, because the tone of it is actually pretty upbeat compared to the rest of the prequel trilogy. And I was thinking and realized this is the last, The Phantom Menace, which we're going to actually talk about focusing on from now on, I guess maybe, we'll see. Ostensibly, anyway. The Phantom Menace is the last Star Wars film produced before 9-11. That is true. I had not considered that. And just, you know, it's funny to, or not funny, but like it's interesting to watch, like the shift in tone in just three movies made back to back that are part of a continuous story that I think were influenced by just events of the world at the time. You know that that could be explored in its own, probably anthropology podcast, I suppose. But but yeah, I you know for for the for the hate this movie gets and in many cases probably deserves, <clears throat> um, I do fondly. Remember this film just because of the era it came out of, and just the optimism of the late '90s that it represents, and the, the technological boom, uh, the idea that we can computer generate movies that could never possibly have been made before. Like the, yeah, but the then Y two K happened, of...
1: and they're like, "We're all gonna die. Computers are gonna kill us all." Yeah, that's a that that that
0: that's his own point. And <laughs> for the that's that's the thing. Computers do try to kill everybody in this film. And terrible they, at it. They they literally don't. Well, they do. though. like the, the intact, most of the enemy in this film are the droids. I, yeah. But, all right, we're jumping ahead. I, let's let's go to this because this is an interesting thing I think is I see in this film. You know, the concept of robots in movies has been around for a long time. Like
1: that's you know, like easily in, been around since
0: like the '30s or '40s. Sure. And the idea, usually, is to make the robots, like, if they're bad robots, you make them intimidating. Like, the best example being the Terminator franchise. You have a number of very intimidating robots. t are T-800, T-1200. The robots in this film are intriguing because they're bad, but they are totally unintimidating. <laughs> well, okay, so,
1: that's an interesting point. I actually was just watching, recently, a video about the battle droids specifically from this movie that it said battle droids in this time period were often mm, programmed with emotions that really they shouldn't have been programmed with. No. Like laziness and <laughs> cowardice and fear. Or, it, Those are not qualities that you want to have in a warrior. Or plain ineptitude. I mean, they're just, they're just yes, not bright. Stupidity. Like why did you not, it would cost you the same amount of money. To put, once you have a hardware system, it would cost you the same amount of money to just give straight across the board Uh, mm,
0: commander level tactical mm, software to all your droids. Especially since they all tap into the same brain. Exactly. Which brings up another question, though, is why then, if they all have like this central computer that drives all their decisions, why do they have commander droids? Like, what's their purpose? You know, that's a good question. They're all getting the same orders. Don't really know (laughs) the answer. There to, they're there to, like, give the movie orders, I guess. I, that's <laughs> yeah, baffling to me.
1: That's a good question.
0: I don't really know the answer to that. Like, why do droids have... Like, can droids advance in rank? No, I don't believe so. Why do, why, they're, they're what's a the concept rank. of rank, then, for I, a droid? I think, I, have my, my, I think,
1: actually, I have something in my... do they care? I think, actually, I have something in my my reference guide here that talks
0: about you can't droid you can't see my brother has pre- assembled literature notes taken during the film like he's he is prepared to discuss this Well, much I more mean, than I am if you, if I just you, pulled up a wikipedia article just now like, to confirm the fact that this was the last film made before 911
1: so I'm like you got to either you go big or you go home that's that's pretty much all there is to it well we're at your home so i guess that's really well there. i mean i <laughs> i I went home, but I also went big, so what What are you going to
0: say? What, indeed. Yeah. I mean, I'll give you this. The, the, the Droidikas... The, the do they actually call them Droidikas? Yes, this they one? Okay. call them Droidikas. See, right here, Droidikas. They actually are intimidating. I would be scared if I right saw them. Right here, Battle Droids.
1: Command oh. Officer. In order to streamline communication between... Streamline? Trade- in order okay. to streamline communication between Trade Federation officials and droid troops, certain Battle Droids, such as OM-9, are designated command officers. Orders Uh. are conveyed to officer droids via priority channels from the central computer systems.
0: Uh, yeah, that actually makes some sense. I'm I'm embarrassed to admit. Yeah, I guess that, yeah, that, yeah, if you're trying to clear up... Well, but, but no, no, that, no. Because here's the problem. Like, if, if... I mean, these are they're evidently evidently communicating with radio waves, right? Right. Well, radio waves aren't like they're not in these like channels. Like that's well, like that's like saying like you know, the, FM radio. You can only broadcast FM radio to like one radio in someone's house, and everyone else has to come listen to it. So all the radio that's
1: that's not the type of radio waves they're talking about. Radio like, okay, waves talking. About? So like when they say radio channels, uh huh. Like okay. If I want to listen to NPR, it's on ninety eight point four or whatever. Sure. But then I go to like Boston, and it'll be on
0: ninety one point three. No, well, no, well, no, because yes See, that's because, that's what no, they're talking about well, when they no, say that, different channels. No, we're we're in a discussion of physics here. No, that's that happens because of geography. That's entirely different.
1: But they're broadcasting different. They're okay, broadcasting but in the, the NABU they're all in the same place. It doesn't matter. Broadcasting the same thing to different That's, channels,
0: but n- n- no, yes, well, the, yes, because they're do, they're in different geographies. Radio waves have like a physical limit of how far they can reach, so the yes. same channel can't. I mean, it theoretically, could I think because of other. I'm not an expert on this, but. The like, battle droid head, lacking a brain of its own, but contains the thing little is, more like, than a large sensitive see, These are droids receiver. all standing right next to each other. Right. And they're getting the same orders. Mm-hmm. It, there's no physical limitation that prevents them from tuning into the same signal that's in the air around them. Well,
1: I think that was the thing that I was talking about. That really goes back to the um, video I was talking about. One of the flaws in the B-1 battle droid is that they specialized it like this they could have just given the same orders to all of them but no that's, they gave the priority orders yeah. to the commanders who it's, then distributed to the regular suit, not, the troops. that's pretty
0: nonsensical yeah so all right so as a soldier the battle droid is garbage we've established But then, it. as so as a, i think this is actually one weird problem with this film in general is that the enemy is not... Act, I mean, The Phantom Menace is a very apt title because the menace in this film is very phantom. There's not a lot of actual menace. It's it's
1: not referring to the Trade Federation, though. The Phantom Menace refers right. to the unseen right. whatever Paul that's hanging over everything that happens and this mysterious
0: cloaked figure Darth Sidious yeah. that's
1: kind of manipulating everything. But him
0: and Maul are the only menacing figures at all, because well, all the other villains have no menace about them. That's that's kind of the point, though. How do you think that affects the film, though? Because, like, that to have a film where the majority of the bad guys actually aren't intimidating well, kind of really lowers the stakes.
1: The majority... Okay, you say that, but here's the thing. They're... Okay, it's like a giant game of chess to Palpatine or Sidious or whatever. His I'm name not is.
0: saying he's not intimidating. I'm I'm say- saying
1: when I say it's like a game of chess to him, okay, he's using the Trade Federation sure, as sure, pawns. Sure, he's sure, sacrificing them sure. for his ultimate goal.
0: But as like we are watching the film and we are seeing characters in the film fighting other characters, most of the stakes in the, the fights are very low. Like there's actually only one battle in this entire movie that actually has any stakes to it.
1: There were lots of
0: Gungan casualties, thank you. Oh. Uh, okay, yeah, well we could side channel that for a second because I-, I was just thinking of this watching the film. Alright, so we're we are led to believe that the Gungans are these savages who are primitive, who They've lack lived in technology. Swamps. Yeah. They seem to be doing alright for it themselves. This says the Grand Army
1: employs technological wizardry and traditional weaponry. Its yes. primary focus is on defense for which animal-mounted shield generators are used. For attacks, the Gungans hurl plasmic energy balls. Soldiers are inexperienced, but are they but getting these things? It says soldiers of the Grand Army are inexperienced, but their result comes <laughs> from a firm sense of duty
0: and justice. How can you call these people primitive? They're making plasma energy balls. Where are they? They emerge from the swamps. How are they not primitive? Where are they getting plasma energy balls? Where does this come from? Like, where are they producing these things? Like, this is hardly primitive at all. This is like advanced weaponry that the that the enemy lacks. I mean,
1: yeah, but. You know, their equipment, okay, like, the catapult is made of hornweed, whatever Sure, but the thing is. that it's
0: catapulting is not a
1: rock. I mean, it's... <laughs> no, it's an energy ball.
0: Where are they making this?
1: It's a charged organic matrix that contains unstable energy.
0: Coming from what? I don't know. Well, I mean, how are these people primitive, then? They evidently have surprisingly advanced technology to two very specific types of things. Right? Am I am I crazy here? Like I, I don't know. Yeah, this- they
1: they emerged from the swamps, man. How does that not make them primitive? Because they can produce plasma energy balls. Here, that nobody- Gungans evolved in the swamps of Naboo, becoming almost equally well adapted to life on land and water. Amphibious beings way? live in underwater cities hidden in deep lakes, breathing air or water oh, with their God. compound lungs. Secret techniques allow Gungans to grow the basic structures of buildings and vehicles, which are completed and finished
0: by that Gungan artists. That sounds artisans. pretty advanced to me. That is hard. That is far from primitive.
1: Gungans <laughs> trade with the Naboo for certain items of technology, but manufacture everything else they need from the resources of their underwater habitat.
0: These primitive resources are somehow able to reduce plasma Although energy Gungans balls. Although Gungans use
1: mechanized can- vehicles, they have a close affinity with the natural world and still prefer to utilize living mounts and and I mean, I'm,
0: I'm not, see, these, they're actually more advanced than we are. They've, they've solved all the ecological problems that we deal with. They're just, they've, they've advanced in civilization beyond civilization. Oh, here. Like all the Naboo,
1: Queen Amidala was taught to think of Gungans as barbarians. But when the planet is faced with invasion, she realizes her people and the Gungans must work together or die. Humbly finding the courage to ask Nass for help, Amidala forges a new friendship between the two cultures. Deeply impressed with her gesture, Boss Nass changes his views as well. Uh,
0: not arguing that either. Sorry, I'm yawning, everybody. We've been, we had, we we're, we've been doing labor before doing this. Um, man, it's late and I'm tired for some reason. i have been staying up super late the last few days, but. Um, is young and so am I. Yeah, you you never sleep. Uh, so That's not all sure right, I so the, we have these, the these afternoon eerily. Uh, I and one thing I was thinking about too, I'd like to discuss. What is the actual stakes in the planet of Naboo? Because what do you mean? All right, here's They're thing. blockading the planet. Sure, sure. But from looking at the planet, just at face value, just from seeing the architecture and the way people dress and they move about and do different things, I think I have This this seems like the planetary equivalent of Luxembourg. Like these people appear to be wealthy beyond all care. So my question then is why at all are they worried about an invasion? Because they could because pay off gonna anybody. Lose to, all, they're going to lose all of that. But they could pay people to defend they're, them. They're
1: going to, they're going to have all of that but luxury like, destroyed. But
0: like, could wouldn't some standing army somewhere? They you know, don't have a standing army. That's the I mean whole a point. A different standing, like a mercenary army somewhere else. Like so, like the Mandalorians. Sure. Like, do we not? It, doesn't that seem that the that the Naboo have, like, enough money to just pay off anybody to fight off the Federation? But
1: they don't want to fight anybody. That's kind of their whole point, is they don't yeah, like well, fighting. Couldn't
0: they just, like, afford to, like, bring someone just to stand there and look intimidating? I mean... It
1: says, the people of Naboo have prospered under the security of the Republic, advancing yeah. their society without concern for outside threats.
0: I mean, like, in our world, like... Nobody in their right mind would invade Luxembourg because there's so much money in there and connections that, like, every other country would, like, obliterate them before they tried. Like, it would be a, it'd be a very pointless gesture. The Naboo regard their refined way of life as a birthright,
1: but they will find that it is a luxury that they will have to
0: defend. But couldn't they pay people to defend them? Like, couldn't they, they call on some other planet's they, they army? Call
1: on the, they call on the Gunyans to defend them.
0: but nobody else has any interest like even a monetary interest they're being blockaded they can't get help from anywhere else but but people know they're being blockaded it's like not a secret yeah they know that it's they're being blockaded but they don't
1: care and that's why don't they care
0: evidently they should because there's there's I mean, it's pretty obvious, at least I would infer, that money is flowing in and out of this planet, right? Absolutely. You can tell that just by the way Palpatine dresses, since he's a so, native of this planet. So wouldn't it stand to reason that other countries or other planets would be like, okay, this is a disruption of our own economy, and like... Yeah, that's... Why do you think they sent the Queen to the Senate to ask them you know, to out- the lift Senate the blockade? Why wouldn't the Senate send people there to, to fight the blockade? That's they sent
1: people there to get the blockade removed. That was the whole point of the beginning of the movie. Is the Supreme Chancellor sends the Jedi to the planet to get the blockade removed? That's the whole point of the beginning of the movie.
0: Because they just sent an army with them to be
1: like they didn't need to send an army. Why not?
0: They wanted to negotiate first. I think an army would be an effective negotiation tactic. Well. I'd be a lot more inclined to listen to somebody if they had an army behind them.
1: Well, but they were hoping they wouldn't have to send the army. They were hoping the negotiation that would be enough.
0: I, but, Evan, I don't know. Yeah, just it just move seems on. odd. Just move on. I guess I'm also trying to figure out, like, what, <laughs> what is the plan here of the Trade Federation? What do you mean? Okay, first of all, the Trade Federation, all they were told to do was Darth
1: Sidious told them, hey, go blockade Naboo. That right. was all they this, were told. This is
0: something that's actually been eating at me. What do they stand to gain from a relationship with Darth Sidious? Power? Money? But they already have that. It evident, like,
1: there seems to be ample evidence. And that's, that's the two things they but, love the most. So,
0: But there seems he's to be ample evidence. He's, that he's the, appealing to their greed. Hang on. There seems to be ample evidence that the Trade Federation, they have an army, they have money, they, they have, have their own senator. They, yeah, they have political influence. Why do they need Darth Sidious? What, th- what else does he give them? Like, we have no evidence to believe that Darth Sidious is, like, somehow so independently wealthy that it's enough to get the attention of these guys.
1: The shadowy figure of Darth Sidious has incited key individuals to the Moyen inner circle to take drastic measures in pursuit of profit. But what? why him? When the Galactic Senate imposes taxation on the former free trade zones of the outlying system, Sidious goes to the Trade Federation into aggressively blockading the, pa- the planet Naboo in retaliation, a measure by which he intends to force an end to the new
0: regulation. Sure, but why does he have a relationship with the Trade Federation at all? I just told you. That, that doesn't fully explain it. Because it does it, fully explain it. <laughs> because what did the Neimoidians stand to gain? Again. Money. So Darth Sidious has enough money independently that it's enough to get an, the attention of, like, no, the Nemoidians. See, he has
1: power, and so... And the Nemoidians don't? It's See, here's, here's the thing. He has the power. They have the money. But so I, he's it, putting his power
0: at the disposal of them so they can get more money. But it seems evident that the Nemoidians already have power. Like, they yes. have a standing army. That alone gives them they power. They have a seat in the Galactic Senate. Right, yeah, so why do they need him? Like, what other
1: power can he give them? Because even he was unable to thwart
0: the new taxes that threatened to cut into Trade Federation. Power. Yeah, that is another interesting point. He, throughout the movie, it actually seems like he's a very useless aid to them. He, like, mispredicts everything that happens. Like... None of his in- he says like right they say None of his plans I, ever actually come together. Well, like <laughs> okay,
1: they say to him, or he says like you know they say we're being blockaded, and he goes, "I object. There is no proof of that. I recommend that we send a commission to prove that this is true." The Nimoyians do yes, but they're already there. Yeah, but. See, he's trying to swing the sympathy yeah. vote because then the guy from well, Malastair pipes up and he's like, "Yeah, I agree. We should send a commission okay, to prove the truth." But
0: how is Darth Sidious helping them do that? What they're already doing already on their own—that's what I they don't. They were already doing it, but they are. Like, at least they had every opportunity to do so. It's not like they needed him for any of this. You're you're not understanding, are you? No, that's why I'm asking. The whole <laughs> point of this is.
1: It's all right. They they for years they've had all this money flowing uh-huh. in, uh-huh. but because of these new galactic regulations, it's threatening to take away all of that money sure, and power. Sure, and so Darth Sidious came to them and said, "Hey, I have a way for you okay. to keep
0: getting all that money and power." But, but they already have the way. They have the army. They have their own army. <laughs> like, what more do they need? This is one guy versus a standing army. They have like, and one guy who hasn't like really proved he can do anything for them. Like, I mean, dizzy. Can I can I have one of your Dr. Peppers? You can have whatever you want. Oh well, that's that's a negotiation worthy of this film. Uh, uh. bring me the coke. Yes, master. You're out of Dr. Pepper.
1: There should still be one in there.
0: This is all you have? No,
1: there's more in there.
0: Right. There's there's not more in the refrigerator, but there's more. We should probably edit this out. Yes, I, um, no, I guess it adds character. <laughs> this is not a professional podcast. Anyway. anyway, we do not promote Dr. Pepper, but I'm drinking or, it. Or Coca-Cola, but I'm drinking it. Uh, if they'd like to sponsor us, they'd be saying to do so. But they'd I, be
1: more than welcome.
0: Sure.
2: Mm.
1: As, they, as they say on the internet, hashtag <laughs> not a sponsor. I didn't know they said that, but... They do. It's a. It's a we should take a, a break, and I, I
0: was thinking the, we should have a running gag where we take a break and like talk about the people who aren't sponsoring us, and uh, then coming back after the third. Audible half of the is show. not sponsoring the show for some reason. I don't know why. Coming guess, back after the third half of them. today's show. Yeah. So. So I still. I, we haven't addressed the point though. What is Darth Sidious offering the Nemoidians? Money and power, but the two they have, things they want most. They have both. They have both, but they are greedy and always <laughs> want more. But they have more than he could possibly provide them, is my point. Uh, no they don't, but... What power does he provide them other than, like, being a Sith Lord? You're you're not understanding, are you? That's why I'm asking!
1: <laughs> I've told you! It says, Neimoidians are greedy and fearful of death. I disagree with that. So it says... Alright, so... They're in Nemotean society, they're obsessed with status. They're obsessed with expressions of wealth. Okay. So if so hypothetical situation here. Let's say you were a billionaire. Okay. And tomorrow Hmm. somebody says to you Whatever your source of income fill in the blank is, is getting shut down and you will receive no more income. Okay. You have gotten used to a certain standard of living uh, that has sure. been acquired by your con your consistent income. Understandably, so if that source of income is suddenly not there anymore, granted, right, sure. then you would want to do something about that, sure. right? So he, so Sidious is coming to them and saying, "Hey, <laughs> somebody's cutting off your." Source of wealth.
0: Okay, I am offering to give it back to you, but you're leaving out a very crucial point here. This would be assuming I am a billionaire, and I also have a standing army that I can send to destroy whoever is preventing me from getting my you wealth. You can't destroy government regulations with an army. The, the Nemedians seem to be trying. <laughs> you you literally cannot. Yeah, they're trying because. But of course, you get destroy... told them to. Of course you can destroy government regulations with an army. You destroy the government. (laughs) Well, they don't want to destroy the government because the government's how they're making money. (laughs) But I guess it it still makes it even more confusing. Like, who is their enemy that they're destroying? Government (laughs) regulation. That's who their enemy is. What part of that doesn't make sense? Okay, Uh, I guess here's another question. What... What do they? What was their hoped outcome from blockading Naboo? That the trade restrictions would be lifted, and therefore
1: their source of okay. income would
0: come back. And, but I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to think. That even this, there's so much, so much strangeness going on. Move okay. on. Just no, move but this on. is so crucial to the film. It just just move on. But, we have a lot. Okay. We have a lot so more we all, ground to cover. True. Move on. But what does. But they have the army. Like, we can... We, Just move on. We, we agree, have a lot more
1: ground to cover.
0: We agree they have the army. Why do they need Sidious? I already explained this. No, you, you still don't haven't. Get it. <laughs> I have, and you still don't get it. But what is Sidious... Okay, say I am the billionaire in your hypothetical scenario, and I have a standing army, and I have political influence to the government that is making these regulations in the first place, what else could you offer me? Turmoil has engulfed the Galactic Republic. The taxation
1: of trade routes to outlying star systems is Jonas. in dispute. Hoping to resolve the matter with a blockade of deadly battleships, the greedy Trade Federation has stopped all shipping to the small planet of Naboo. While the Congress of the Republic endlessly debates this alarming chain of events, the Supreme Chancellor has secretly dispatched two Jedi Knights, the Guardians of Peace and
0: Justice in the Galaxy, to settle the conflict. Right, but what does Darth Sidious have to do with any of this? Or, not, not, the, I mean, obviously he's orchestrating the old thing, but, like, why do the nemoidians deal with him? Money and power, that's But the, he cannot bring them either one of those things, that's my point. Except that he can. How? <laughs> I've already explained... No, you haven't! I've
1: explained three
0: times how. <laughs> okay, so he can bring them money. And... With money comes power. But how is he bringing them money? Is he like independently wealthy somehow? No. Then how is He's he bringing not them paying money? them?
1: Then how is he bringing them money? He's bringing them money by promising to get
0: rid of the thing that's causing them okay. to lose money. <laughs> how can he promise that? Why do they? Why do they believe him? Like what? Well, that's a that's a whole discussion for another podcast. That's my point, though. Why do they believe this guy?
1: Like that's, that's a discussion for a whole another podcast. But that's but my
0: point. Like I, that's the whole thing. That's how on, this thing have, falls apart.
1: Move along. We have a whole another. Oh. a whole. We have more ground. We have a whole lot more ground to cover. Come on, move oh. along.
0: Oh. You have those chips, right? Yes. This is going to be a podcast about me eating. Sorry, folks,
1: stress eating.
0: Ugh.
1: Stress eating.
0: Skipped lunch, I shouldn't have done that. I don't know what I was thinking. Oh. Damn, like,
1: so, moving on. Bring the Oreos too. For
0: what?
1: The Oreos. What
0: kind of Pop Tarts do you have here? Brown sugar and Y'all, this is... uh, We won't even get into it.
1: Oh, this is interesting. When Padme is among the attendants, Handmaiden Sabe impersonates the queen subtly taking signals from Padme regarding royal decisions. Subtly, yeah. It says, Captain Panaka is behind the creation of Amidala's double identity, having explained the old palace scheme to her upon her coronation. That's why he knew that she was
0: actually the handmaiden when she went out to to and she somehow fools everybody too which is I guess there's another interesting the handmaiden looks so much like her well here's the thing you know I understand like Saddam Hussein style body doubles that like they just have to sort of stand at a distance and just look enough like him to get shot but like she's fooling people that are standing right next to her that have spent an inordinate amount of time with her but here's the thing I mean, she's not even fooling us. I guess that's the thing. She does fool us pretty well, because we can't tell the difference half the time. Here's the thing, though.
1: When she's the queen,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: what does she have on at any given time?
0: What do you mean? Any given time, what is she wearing? Clothes. Royal clothes. More specifically. What do you mean? I don't know. She's
1: always got, like, these crazy, elaborate wigs and... Dresses mm-hmm. and makeup and mm-hmm. what have you. Mm-hmm. And when she's disguised as a handmaiden, what'd she wear? A handmaiden's dress, I suppose? Exactly. People who see the queen on a regular basis are used to seeing her in these dramatic gowns with these ridiculous hairstyles and gaudy makeup. And they're not looking at the young
0: girl and the handmaiden outfit. Okay, but surely like like her voice would sound different i mean well if you notice
1: anytime that regardless of which one of them is actually being the queen in
0: that moment anytime she talks it's not her natural voice that is true actually <laughs> she does talk in this weird robotic voice i guess that is she's like batman yes wow this is like a crossover episode okay padme is batman confirmed that's not the only conspiracy theory that we've we've had to bring up in this film.
1: Oh, you want to talk conspiracy theories now?
0: Well, they might as well. We're, we're 45 minutes in, just about. I mean,
1: so which which conspiracy theory do you want to discuss first? Because I have my pet conspiracy theory, but then there's also the classic conspiracy theory. <laughs> what? You just coined the
0: term classic conspiracy theory. There's the classic
1: oh. conspiracy theory, but then I also have my pet
0: conspiracy All right. theory. Pick your favorite. I suppose your pet would be your favorite, My, right? my
1: pet conspiracy theory is that Qui Gon Jinn is secretly a Sith. Okay, let's let's take let's take the evidence here. Let's do. Qui Gon Jinn was trained by who? I, I don't know who. Count Dooku. Oh. Wow. Who was a Sith? Well, was he then? No, but that's beside the point. Now, Qui Gon Jinn demands that Anakin be trained, despite the council telling him no. Very suspicious, sure. He uh, has a history of defying the orders of the Jedi Council. Okay. He, uh... He, uh... How about this? When he gets unexpectedly killed, Mm -hmm. he still makes sure that his master plan is carried out. Why would he care at that
0: point? Oh, I guess he's a devoted Sith, maybe. Oh, I'll yeah, probably, I'll grant you that.
1: So, okay. here it also kind of actually explains how he got killed. Oh, okay, right. So, in according to my theory here, Darth Maul did not know that Qui Gon Jinn was a Sith because he's a Sith so posing Qui-Gon as a is Jedi, a, a deep cover Sith. He's he's posing as a Jedi, but that seems okay. to violate Yoda's rule, though. So listen, so Qui Gon Jinn's a Sith. Uh So, after the fight on Naboo, Mm -hmm. when he attacks him at the speeder, Mm -hmm. Palpatine tells him, hey, that dude's on our side, off screen. And then tells him, go kill Obi-Wan Kenobi. But he kills Qui-Gon anyway? No. So Qui-Gon Jinn is trying to turn Obi-Wan Kenobi to the dark side. And tries to stop Darth Maul from killing Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then Darth Maul accidentally kills Qui-Gon Jinn. That also explains... Uh, Accidentally? Yes, and then that also explains why... Hold on! And then that also explains when Darth Maul stabs
0: Qui-Gon Jinn. He looks surprised. How is he surprised? He kicks him in the face and then stabs him. But when he stabs him, he has a confused look on his face. He kicked him in the face and stabbed him. (laughs) Like, you know... that, that's a level of play fighting that is, like, way above and beyond here. Well, okay. And so bear in mind, like, the, their last little battle is kind of, like, slightly out of sight of Obi-Wan anyway. It's not like they have to really try hard to cover what they're doing. Well, at that
1: time, Darth Maul didn't know that Qui-Gon Jinn was a Sith, but... Wait, but you just said he did. I said after that first battle is when he finds out that Qui-Gon is a Sith.
0: Which are you talking about? The battle in the desert, or in yes, the... the battle in the desert. He okay. does not know that Qui is it, but he does. But for okay,
2: that's still pretty.
0: Um, it seems pretty obvious. I mean, he kicks him in the face. I mean, then you explain why he looks shocked after he stabs him. He always looks shocked.
1: I don't know. He doesn't always look shocked. He always looks angry. <laughs> Although okay, so there's there's another there's another side to this coin. Right? So I say there's a possibility he was secretly a Sith. Okay. On the other hand there's the uh, somebody on the internet referred to Qui-Gon Jinn as being the most Jedi Jedi to ever Jedi.
0: It says It's impressive to use the same word as an adjective noun and a verb.
1: The character embodied what Jedi should be at their core and his gentle guidance could have saved the galaxy if he had stayed alive. But he's a Sith. This is Assuming that he's not a Sith. This whole theory. But that's your pet theory. But this is an alternative theory. The
0: alternative theory being just that he was a Jedi? That yes, he that wasn't. he was the best Jedi. Well, that's usually what they, they tend to say anyway. But he uh, wasn't just a Jedi, he was the best Jedi. Well, I mean, it seems. And the rest of the movies just kind of references like a, a legendary Jedi for sure. Um, I still. I, I don't know. Let's, let's think through this conspiracy theory, though. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, that one doesn't quite seem to hold water. I mean, mm-hmm. for one, this this violates Yoda's very strict rule, too. I mean, Yoda doesn't necessarily need to know he's a Sith. Well, Yoda doesn't know who is a Sith. I mean, that's kind of the whole point of the movie. It's a right. phantom menace, you know. Right. He knows there are Sith. He just doesn't know who there but is. But he knows how many there are. That's the, that's the rule you know the history Although of the his, Rule of Two? Although his, his first estimation is zero, then his second estimation is two. It's a very unusual math formula he seems to use. But
1: Do you do you even know the origin of the Rule of Two?
0: Yeah, you know, the, the, the apprentice becomes power-hungry, and so you can't have too many of them. You know, they,
1: well, okay. The Sith will all kill each other. But originally, like, I don't know, 1,200 years before the movies take place or whatever, mm-hmm. there was an entire Sith Empire. There was a Sith Emperor. Okay, Sith was originally not even a term specifically for Dark Side Force users. Originally, Sith was a race of people who all used the Dark Side of the Force. And then, they started... wonder why that didn't last long. Well, okay, so then they started accepting people who weren't from that planet to be Sith.
0: That's awfully um, magnanimous of them. That was well. There's For a people whole who are like driven by hate and rage. They they there's, seem. There's awfully there's on... a whole
1: there's a whole thing behind that. You have to play the game Stars: of The Old Republic to really get it. But <laughs> that would be a remarkable explanation. But it it has an explanation. I just I haven't played the game in a while, so I, I don't remember exactly what it is. I but...
0: really would question the validity of it. Anyway, let's moving move on. on. Move.
1: <laughs> so there were thousands of Sith. All right. Then they had a Sith war with the Jedi. A Sith war? No, not a Sith war, because it wasn't between the Sith and the Sith. It was between surprising. It was between the Sith and the Jedi, Uh and the Jedi pretty much wiped out all the Sith.
0: And so then that explains their 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 bizarre attitudes, the genocide and what all. Well, okay, so then. Darth Maul actually kind of addresses that in
1: this movie, because he says, at last we shall reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we shall have our
0: revenge. That was pretty vague, yeah. Yeah, that that, that is such a bizarre line just by itself in the movie. It's like, revenge for what? What did these people ever do to you? Well, now you know, that's exactly <laughs> what they did. They wiped out the Sith Empire. And so then the Republic took these genocidal maniacs and entrusted them with a... Um, Guardians of the Galaxy. I guess that kind of does make sense. They were already Guardians of the Galaxy. But, uh, okay. Alright. They were Guardians of the Galaxy because that was
1: the... See, what you don't understand, the Old Republic coexisted with the Sith Empire, but they were constantly at war. And so then when the Jedi exterminated the Sith Empire, then the Republic lived in peace until, you know, along came... Pax Romana. Yeah, it was packed Star Wars. uh <laughs> until you
0: know, until Sidious came along, and for some indescribable reason, managed to forge a relationship with the Nymoidians, and thus it all began. Ugh. And then there was Darth Sidious, the Wise. But yeah, we'll Still. we'll talk more about him later. But so, but is Yoda's rule of two correct? Yes. Then how could Qui Gon be a Sith? In conjunction with another two Sith. Then we'd have three.
1: Because. Just because there should be two Sith doesn't mean there always will be two Sith.
0: No, Yoda does not say should. That would be like an ought. He says there an is. There are always two. Uh Uh-huh. So how would there then be three? It's a whole thing. Oh, okay.
1: So it's, actually, it's math is what it is. No, okay, Simple so, addition. So here, but, you know, that's that's <laughs> a whole thing. the whole thing. You learn it in kindergarten. Okay, so but. here's the thing, though. Um, if you watch episode two, okay, in episode two, when Count Dooku, the trainer of Qui Gon Jinn, incidentally, is interrogating Obi Wan Kenobi on Geonosis. Okay. He says to him about Qui Gon Jinn. He says he was once my apprentice, just as you were once his. He also says, Qui-Gon saw the corruption in the Senate, and Qui-Gon Jinn would have joined my side had he stayed alive, and well, that's a pretty wild prognostication. But... And Obi-Wan, obviously, out of rage, says Qui-Gon Jinn would have never joined you, but we would never know if
0: Qui-Gon Jinn would have joined him or not, because he died. So we're arguing out of ignorance here? I mean... And had he probably not seen this corruption already, it's not exactly like it was probably a big secret. Well,
1: Obi Wan saw the corruption; he just didn't acknowledge the
0: corruption. I feel like he's the kind of person who would acknowledge it. I mean, you know, he seems pretty perceptive.
1: Anyway, that was that was my pet In fact. Theory. He might
0: be the. the this is what rather uh, amusing aspect of this movie. He seems to actually be the only person besides maybe Padme who is maybe of like above average intelligence. <laughs> How so? I, just all these little things. Everything everybody does, like like what seems example uh, like like running the blockade. Like let's talk about that for a second. Like we have extensively. No 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 no. I mean like the the scene where like Padme tries to make her escape from Naboo. Right. What's wrong with that? How did this happen? What do you mean? She is one ship amongst like hundreds that are surrounding the planet, with the intent purpose of blocking ships from getting through, and they let her through? They had to fight their way through. Barely! <laughs> I, I, it really actually is kind of a miracle escape. That That's kind of the point. Yeah, I... just I, the... So... And then the like, the but afterwards, yeah, the, the aftermath is like this sort of argument amongst the crew, like, well, the hyperdrive's been damaged, what do we do now? Should we go to tattooing? Well, there's a lot of gangsters in Tatooine. Like, yeah, but the Trade Federation that's been shooting at us is everywhere else. Obviously, you dig Bat, we can't go in there. Uh-huh. So we have to get, like, it's just... Qui-Gon seems like the only person who has any sense at all. Like, he just states the obvious. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. And then even he seems to have limits. Like, he just sort of gambles their whole situation to try to get them out of it. It's a pretty... I mean, I guess like they're just sort of forced into it by some co- <laughs> some means of the plot they are coerced into having to make the gamble that they do, but... Anyway. I don't know. He seems... Pat, Pat Mays is maybe more like me, because she, she seems to kind of poo-poo every idea. Kind of like I do. Yeah. I've noticed.
1: Qui-Gon, that was kind
0: of the inspiration for this podcast. Qui-Gon at least has some common sense, but everyone else just seems to be kind of... Yeah, I've no, noticed you poo-poo
1: every idea. That's kind of how this podcast yeah, no. came to be. Yeah, But, um... So, now, of course, we must discuss the classic theory that goes along with this movie. Oh, okay. Darth Jar Jar.
0: Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah, so... Um... Yeah, I... You know, I actually did some research on this the other day, and I, I don't see how that holds water, to be honest, because the linchpin of the argument mm-hmm. is... This, Random, uh, like this random video clip of George Lucas looking at a storyboard saying, Jar Jar is the key to all this. That I've never seen and I've never heard in conjunction with this theory. Continue. You've never heard the, the, the phrase Jar Jar is the key to all this? like No, I've never heard that. Because I mean, everybody hangs that on this I've idea. I've never that, like, heard that in
1: conjunction with this theory. Continue.
0: Well, but in the context of the video clip, as best I can make out and as best other people on the internet have made out. He seems to be referring to Jar Jar as like a, you know, revolutionary computer-generated character. Not... The, the fact that they can make one at all was key to, like, the success of, you know, being able to do that in the future and the film being revolutionary. Not so much that Jar Jar is, like, key to the plot somehow. Right. So, I don't think but- Lucas has actually really had... Can confirm that now. Maybe, maybe he had a plan. Maybe, but now we have like what four Sith running around now. Like, the math is just getting out of hand.
1: <laughs> okay, so this whole theory does not take into account the theory of Kyon being a Sith. Okay, well we
0: still have more than two. I mean, that's we, still, that's one Sith too many.
1: We still only would have. Well, we would still only have two. How Darth Maul doesn't count.
0: Why? He's 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 the apprentice. apprentice. He's just an apprentice. Which is what Yoda says, or no, well sorry, Mace says. The two are the master and the apprentice. So we have the master and we have the apprentice. So how does Jar Jar fit into this?
1: According to this theory, Jar Jar and Sidious are working together. That doesn't make them one person. No, but they're working together to achieve a common goal.
0: That's not how math works. We're not talking about math. There's oh, The rule of two is a rule of math. It's not an absolute rule. Only a Sith believes in absolutes. Uh, but, can you wait? There could be absolute rules about Sith, so... It would be an absolute rule. I think it would be fair to be an absolute rule in this case. Since it's describing not the an Sith. absolute rule. So... Well, why not? He, so he says it
1: like it is. Jar Jar was... Okay, so Maybe it not. says...
0: Maybe, not. Maybe, not. Maybe I'm being unfair, but...
1: So... Let me let me throw some some points here. Okay. When Jar Jar is introduced, he is introduced as a goofy swamp do- swamp dwelling creature, right? Okay. Right? Okay. When Yoda is introduced, he is introduced as a goofy swamp dwelling creature. Okay. Now when okay, now
0: So far, you've actually kind of sold me on the idea that maybe he's secretly a Jedi, you know.
1: Jar Jar can be seen multiple times using the hand wave motion that Jedi do with the Jedi mind trick. For example, I noticed it specifically when he's uh, being made a general. He, He waves his hand like a bunch of times right before the boss says, hey, do you want to be a general?
0: But to do that trick, you have to also say stuff out loud.
1: No, not not if you're attuned enough in the Force, because Mace Windu in the Clone Wars show does that mind trick mm. without saying stuff out loud and uh, achieves the same goal. I don't consider that the same level of canosity. It It's considered canon, so you're going to okay. have to deal with it. Even if you don't like it, it still is
0: canon. So you're, you're going to have to deal with it. So he's... Yeah, okay. So he's some super master Sith that can manipulate everyone's minds. All right. So okay,
1: so he's not manipulating
0: everyone. But... He probably is. Well, I mean, okay. So here's the thing.
1: Right? So, so when he goes... So then when he goes to the Senate, uh-huh. when he becomes Senator Binks in episode two or three or whatever. Uh-huh. So in the scene where... Palpatine receives his emergency powers. Mm. Okay, Jar Jar Binks is there representing Naboo because Senator Amidala is currently, you know, fleeing for her life because there's people trying to murder her, right? Sure, sure, sure. Now, she, in prior scenes, made it very clear that she is absolutely against giving Palpatine any more power of any kind so okay. when Jar Jar walks into the Senate chamber, the first thing he does is initiate a vote for Palpatine to receive his emergency
0: power. Yes, however, I think the biggest argument against all that and this is a whole another movie, so we should probably save it. Ah, uh, but it's is all that, is in that scene like when he like gets the idea, he no one's looking at him by mind you. He acts like completely surprised, like, wow, this is a, this is an idea, this is something I need to do. No one's looking at him, it's not like he has anybody to fool at that point. He, I think everything in the movie seems to point that he literally just blundered his way into ruining the galaxy. I mean, I, I,
1: that, okay, that seems so reasonable. It says, right, so he uses his hand-waving thing again when he's convincing the Senate to vote to give Palpatine emergency powers.
0: See, anybody says, who talks with their hands then is just a, a no. Sith Lord.
1: So also, it says Qui Gon Jinn mentions the Force guiding them under the waters of Naboo, and Jar Jar scoffs at the concept.
0: Yeah, that's actually one other funny point in the movie. I kind of scoff at the idea of Jar Jar being a navigator because he does nothing to help them getting through the planet core. <laughs> Qui Gon so- does more navigation in the movie than Jar Jar does. Alright, so here's the thing. Like Jar Jar is actually completely lost trying to get through the So whole here's thing. the thing. Palpatine, what planet is he from originally? Actually, can we also discuss the fact that the planet's core is made of water? Because that's, that's not physical we're, feasible,
1: but... We're, we're getting... We'll get to that.
0: Okay. But So, what planet is
1: Palpatine from originally? Uh, is this Naboo? Yes, it's okay. Naboo. Right. That's where he's descended. Ah. And what planet is Jar Jar from? Naboo. So... How do we have proof that those two haven't met each other before? Wow, this is really deep in conspiracy theory territory. Um, <sighs> I, I didn't say I didn't say I believe
0: this theory. I said it's a theory that exists. Why would they have met each other before? Under what circumstances?
1: I don't know. I'm not the person who came Probably up. with Probably the speak. same
0: bizarre circumstances that led Sidious to the Nymoidians. I mean, he had no reason mm. to meet them. But anyway,
1: so it says, Qui Gon Jinn's funeral. All right, as you've Pointed out, Padme is directly to the right of of
0: Palpatine. That's why I'm gonna start saying actually she's the secret Sith Lord. Who, it actually, but it makes, who, a, it makes a lot of sense in, too if you think about it. But who is standing directly
1: to the left of Palpatine in that scene? Jar Jar Binks. Uh huh. And in subsequent movies, you see a recurring theme of Jar Jar Binks being with Palpatine in. Situations that Jar Jar really has no cause to be there.
0: He's also a senator.
1: But you see Senator Palpatine, or Senator Jar Jar, with with Chancellor Palpatine in situations that really Senator Binks has no
0: business being there. He's a senator. Uh, he's doing senatorial business. I, I would think he has plenty of reason to be around Palpatine.
1: Well, okay, That's, that's says, like saying, like, you know... But in the beginning of episode three, Palpatine is, like, walking, and next to him is walking Jar Jar.
0: Well, I mean,
1: Nancy but Pelosi
0: walks around with other senators and representatives around her. I'm like saying that. It's, a, it's a recurring theme that happens after... Because they're in the same job! <laughs> like, of course no. they are! Like, okay. Politicians hang around other politicians, it's so, pretty normal! <laughs> Binks. Okay, so here's the thing.
1: In episode two, in episode two, Binks knows that Obi-Wan and Anakin are coming when he is the only one in the room and nobody has said a word about them coming. When is this? In episode two. Yeah, we're so when when they come to visit Padme in the apartment after we'll they haven't have, seen her for ten years. We'll have to watch that. Um, I don't remember this part. He approaches the elevator for no reason, does not attempt to open Maybe the door. Maybe you heard it ding. So he just
0: walks up to the elevator. It probably dings, you know, and indicates someone is coming. But, but he doesn't try to open the door. You don't try to open the door of an elevator. <laughs> so he
1: just waits a second or two. Like you would do at an elevator. <laughs> so why does he act surprised when Obi-Wan and Anakin walk out?
0: Well, you said that he wasn't surprised. You said he predicted them coming. But he acts surprised in order to maintain his cover. Oh, brother. Or maybe he was waiting by the elevator like a normal person would and was surprised to see two people he wasn't expecting to see. So,
1: what if Jar Jar was banned from the underwater city because his clumsiness... What if his clumsiness was actually a cover and he was, you know, that... Okay, why do you think banned for being a Sith? Okay, so so when when he when I he, feel like they would have had a very different reaction when he so returns when he when he returns. What's the first thing they do? They slap handcuffs on him. You know why? Because they think he's a threat. He's Jar Jar Binks. He's clumsy as old ghetto. There is no way he's a viable threat.
0: Well, he... Uh, from They're pointing can,
1: spears at him. They slap handcuffs on him. From the, there is no reason they would do that if they didn't think <laughs> he was dangerous.
0: Because from the best we can tell from his explanation is he accidentally set part of the place on fire. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a threat. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think he did. What does he say, though, in the submarine? He, he, he has some like, nonsensical explanation.
1: He says, <laughs> <laughs> he says he crashed the boss's car,
0: basically. Yeah, that, well, that doesn't't that, doesn't
1: that doesn't make you a criminal that just makes you a poor driver
0: I mean criminally negligent maybe that, that
1: doesn't that doesn't make you enough to get kicked out of the city
0: well because you're a bad a, driver it may be a sequence of other events that he didn't mm-hmm. actually discuss I mean
1: well okay so but then there's the theory that him being clumsy and stuff is all an act is all a farce so maybe the, the theory with that... Jar Jar exhibits a specific kind of Kung Fu called Zui Kwan. Uh-huh. Now, the theory of Zui Kwan, probably I'm not pronouncing that correctly, but basically what it does, you stagger and you stumble and you make people think you're drunk or whatever. And the, the premise of this is kind of similar to Jack Sparrow, where... He does all this stuff that makes you think he's an idiot to cover up the fact that he's actually a genius and he's actually planning all these things in
0: his head. Okay. I mean, I think we've, like, illustrated a lot of possible covers, but we haven't, like, proven that that's what he's actually doing. I I didn't say one way
1: or the other that's what he's doing. I've just put the theory out there. That is your pet theory, though. No, that one was not my pet no. theory. That was the classic theory.
0: I like to argue my new theory I've, like, just come up with now today. Oh, dear. Padme is the Sith. Please explain. Well, I mean, let's, let's look at the facts here. Please. Whose fault, really, is it that Anakin got turned? Not Padme. Really? Yes. Because maybe Padme was, like, manipulating him emotionally to get what? him to to, you know, start Nothing about this makes sense! No, I just... That seems entirely feasible. How? I mean,
1: you Nothing know. about that theory even holds
0: a shred of water. A shred of water? <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, Well, uh,
2: yeah, it, it probably proves itself
0: better than the next two movies, so we should probably save it for then. Um, we should discuss, though, pod racing, because that is the other major controversy people to bring up now with this film. Now this is pod racing! All you know, that in the dialogue, I suppose, too, but...
1: Oh, are we gonna discuss that after uh, pod racing?
0: Well, I mean, do, do we feel like pod racing was a waste of time in the film, or, like... No,
1: it was critical to the story!
0: But could it have, like, that critical piece been resolved some other way? It's and, the Star Wars equivalent of NASCAR! Which I wouldn't watch anyway, but, um... I do think it's actually interesting to see because it's, it's it's actually well, you watched Cars, didn't you? Having watched American Graffiti, you watched Cars, oh, well, didn't you? Yes, but you so know, this like, is Cars in space. Well, I like the second Cars better. Um, well, so did I. Don't but, at me. Um, well, so did I. But <laughs> uh, that's probably actually a pretty controversial opinion. Cars but, three, you know, I, actually, actually, I think really this, good. I think I the know. the, it, the racing is, is much more interesting after you've seen American Graffiti, which I have because not. it uh, it. It's, it's like ties into Lucas's love for cars, and it's like oh cool he gets to like live it out in the Star Wars universe. I think that's actually kind of sweet. Um, well, it probably there, does there, take. There too also long, are other
1: um, types of racing that they do, like um,
0: but not in like the films. I mean, no, not in the films.
1: Well, but they they kind about. of reference it a little in Solo. They well, talk was, about swoop. They talk about swoop car thing. racing. You never see any swoop car racing, but they do reference swoop car racing as being part of Han Solo's backstory.
0: So we we right, okay. So you're of the opinion that the that the pot race was essential to the film. Also, did you not
1: ever play that Game Boy pot racing game? Oh, we had. I did.
0: I I kind of have fond memories of it because I remember the cartridge had like a vibrator thingy in it that like. And it and also had its own battery. Story. But it also like. Um, in my estimation, was very difficult to play, but I'm not very good at video games, well, so maybe I'm over, that uh, so viability if, for that.
1: So for no other reason than that was was having that scene
0: worth it just for that game. I don't know about that, but um, I do think the pod racers are really cool. Actually, that's that's one thing about this movie. I don't think there's a single ship in this entire movie, like at least not very many. The ships that spend the most screen time are all really cool. Like so let me the Naboo ships, the Pod Racers, Darth Small ship—like they're all pretty, pretty Darth awesome ships. ships. like on screen for like five seconds. Well, but. they're all the Pod Racers are pretty cool though. I I actually enjoyed those, but and you know the, the Lego sets that came out with them later, like that mm-hmm. that was pretty cool. I mean, <laughs> uh, plot wise, it is kind of like a long Pot segment race. to just resolve a very small problem. but Main Pod Race contenders, but. Actually, can we talk about pit droids? Yeah. Who in the right mind would hire a pit droid? It seemed completely unsuited for well, any okay, task so at all.
1: Programmed to have a permanent sense of urgency, urgency. Pit droids are utility mechanics that assist with pod racer maintenance really,
0: jobs. They don't seem to actually have any sense of urgency. They seem to have a sense of like mischief.
1: <laughs> their compact form allows them to reach small parts and linkages in other in and under the big engines and to be sucked into engines periodically <sighs> but pit droids are built with minimal logic processors so they take orders without asking personal okay. or superfluous questions hold on
0: would you like hire a mechanic who had minimal logic processing ability to fix your car however this also leaves them <laughs> easily <laughs> confused and have to get into trouble when left to their own devices that seems like a very bad design for something to fix things Pit droids are I would not want somebody fixing a car who was easily confused.
1: <laughs> pit droids are such a common sight in your pod racers that they go mostly unnoticed in spite of the bizarre antics they sometimes engage in when I'll trying to say. get a job done. <sighs> it says the real mechanics are left to make the complex decisions and oversee customized engine modifications. But what? I, they actually it, have human mechanics too, by the way.
0: Sure, but couldn't they possibly have made the pit droids any better? Yes, they could've. Then why didn't they? I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's... This is baffling to me. Why anybody? And especially, like, in a race, like, maybe you should just, like, leave the pit droids out of this and, like, just have a fully, you know... Organic. Organic crew, yeah, organic that has, like... Crew. Better logic processing ability and maybe a real sense of urgency and isn't, like, pulling pranks all the time. Well, they don't <laughs> intentionally pull pranks. They just get easily... They... They're basically robots with ADHD. Yes, that uh, seems like a a very very bad like like you would have to be very deliberate to design something that bad. Like <laughs> just that <laughs> off. Why are they so bad? I don't know. Oh, uh, but the, yeah the pottery scene, so see, I I think people are a little a little too hard on it. It's kind of fun. Um, again, it's it's the Star Wars equivalent of NASCAR. Yeah, but probably. Or as let and this is a, I, if, if, I, I might occasionally steal some arguments from the um, hype, not, or, uh, the hypercritical? No, the, the incomparable podcast that John Siracusa from the hypercritical podcast was on, is on from time to time. I think one of the, I, I think it was this podcast. They made a really f- amusing observation that, you know, I it's hard for us, I think, to actually as an audience connect with the poverty that Anakin is supposed to be under, because he is building the equivalent of a Formula One car in his backyard.
1: Okay, I actually, I believe I have a thing
0: specifically in reference to that very podcast. Can we address that point, though? Like, I think that is really right. right? He does not seem to be doing too bad for himself. I mean, even the house they live in seems pretty well, you know, kept for a typical residence. tattooing. you know, he's building a robot in his his bedroom. He's building a Formula One car in his backyard. You know, in fact, his friends I think are a little bit. His friends are pretty terrible. Like, is. <laughs> because yes. he's like come this close to building this thing, and they're like, well, yeah, but it's still they're isn't like, running. It's a piece yet. of junk. Well, like, he's gotten pretty far on it. I mean. But it's still a piece of junk! But he's gotten a lot farther on it that I think you could really call it a piece of junk. I mean, it, it
1: still looks
0: like a piece of junk.
1: But, like, well, okay, his friends say to him, it's a piece of junk. You'll never get it to run.
0: He seems to be getting pretty close. I mean, and. Well, given but, okay, his clear but, proficiency in mechanical things, I don't think they he, should be questioning he, him. He specifically
1: says that he's never tried to get it to run before. Well, he's obviously trying, he's building it. He's building it, but that doesn't mean he's, but he's, he even, like, straight up says he's never tried to get it to run before, and then Qui-Gon that gives That is him, his ultimate objective. Qui-Gon S- gives him a power source, and he plugs it in. And what is in, that
0: about? And he's like, mm, it's working, it's working. That thing I actually, I, I totally, I, I, I noticed that scene while we were watching, it. I'm totally baffled by, like. What? What? Why is Qui-Gon carrying around this battery that he, like, just happens to have with him and he happens to hand to him, here, here's this that you've never seen before, even though you, like, live on a planet full of these things. Like, anyway, I don't really understand what that scene was about. But. Anyway.
1: So, it says, so, you know, you were, you were like, where'd he get all these parts? Well, he got all these parts because Watto is happy to unload his junk wherever he can and so
2: he
1: he gives he gives Anakin free parts for the work he does around the shop and okay. so Anakin
0: takes all this stuff home and builds stuff out of it Watto sells junk he doesn't just offload it and just all the stuff that he's getting but junk is the clearly- the is that he thinks he can't sell He just says, "Hey, Anakin, you can have whatever you want." The parts requisite to build a working pod racer that could beat all the other pod racers would not be of any interest to anyone else. Uh, apparently not. I'm very baffled that somebody of Watto's credibility would be so naive as to not. Is is Watto really credible? He seems to be pretty good at what he does. Yeah, he he hoodwigs Obi Wan or Qui Gon into thinking that he's the only place in town with the part he needs. He is. Yeah, that that's actually a great other point brought up in the, the incomparable. Like, Qui Gon just buys that statement as like face value. Like he never says, like, no, I'm gonna check some other people first. Like he's just like, Well, yeah, he said it. It must be so
1: like <laughs> Well Isn't that mean, naive? Like <laughs> I mean to be fair, the specific ship type that they were on is a very rare ship type and so Watto probably was he happened to walk into the
0: one junk dealer and that has it? He probably was the only one junk dealer who had it. Probably is not the same as definitely, and to believe the junk dealers from saying, like, hey, don't look at the other guys. I'm the only one. That is a very like Well, but it clearly suspicious sales tactic.
2: <laughs> it
0: paid off. For Watto, but <laughs> why is Qui that naive? But it worked, didn't it? But why did it work? It doesn't matter why it works. <laughs> yes, it does. Anyway. Yes, if it does, why gon is just oh. not that bright. <laughs> anyway.
1: <laughs> have, have you anything oh. else that you don't understand that you're going to try to convince oh. me I'm wrong about?
0: I, yeah. I don't even understand this.
1: You've, you've made that clear. Um, what else do you not understand about this movie? Or that you don't agree with me on about this movie.
0: Um. Well, let's let's think this through. Um. Should have, we should have tried to take this in some chronological order? Didn't didn't get that far. No, we didn't. Uh, all right. So yeah, we got the Trade Federation. We got the the, the, <laughs> the, the pod uh,
1: racing. You
0: know, we just, I still don't understand any of that. <laughs> um. Oh, man, go to that Going Go the, the 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 ships. The, the hyperdrive uh, core here. A hyperdrive core, yeah.
1: A dazzling example of Naboo's style, the hyperdrive core is an intricate maze of charge planes and effective channels that allow the ship to slip smoothly beyond light speed. That sounds like real science. When the Nubian-made generator inside the core fails under the energy overloads encountered in battle, the Naboo begin to learn the realities of their dependence on the outside world. Oh,
0: oh, oh, ow. That does bring up something. Okay, first of all, why do the droids have to go outside the ship to repair electrical connections that could just as easily have been inside the ship? Because they weren't inside the ship. Why weren't they? I don't know. I didn't design the ship. Well, it seems like a really bad design. And moreover, uh, this is this is something that kind of baffled me watching this film. Why did, like, the Queen of Naboo go out of her way to honor a droid in her throne room on the ship afterwards? Like... Because he saved their lives! But he's a droid! They would have all died if it weren't for R2 D2! That's like honoring a fire hose for putting out <laughs> a fire. Like, it's not. Yes, it is, because it's an inanimate object! Droids are people too! No, they're not! Droids okay, have feelings! Whoa, whoa, whoa.
1: Um, droids have feelings.
0: That's. That.
1: Droids have feelings. Highly
0: subjective. Um,
1: Literally every main character in every Star Wars movie would have died at least once had it not been for R2-D2.
0: But can R2-D2 even comprehend what Honor is? I mean, why do they care? Like, he's a droid. Like, they sent him out in space to get shot at because that was his job. He's a droid. He's down. He that he has nothing.
1: more personality than some of the human characters.
0: They don't know that. Like, he's just a droid. Yeah, it's like honoring a fire hose. Like it's just it's not like honoring a fire hose. It's like honoring a fire truck. It's not like honoring a fire truck. Okay, it's like honoring a bomb disarming robot. Like we don't do that because that's the robot's job. We well, send it they,
1: into danger. There, there was actually a, uh, a like bomb sniffing
0: dog that saved a bunch of cops, and they gave him a medal. Okay, but that's a—an a, animal has a higher level of cognizance than a droid. I would no. think. I don't, uh, That All actually right. is kind of an interesting comparison. Are droids and animals? Yes. Do droids have more rights? Oh, boy. That's a... <laughs> droid rights. Oh, wow.
1: I'm, I'm a droid rights proponent. Apparently. Anyway. Continue. Um, so what else do we have in here that you would like to discuss?
0: I would like to also bring up the hypercriticals analysis that, uh, or sorry, sorry, incomparables analysis that <laughs> sending Padme to go wash the droid like, I don't
1: believe I even addressed that.
0: Yeah. Why her? Why not? Because there's half a dozen other girls who could have done the same thing. Right? One of them just, just happened to be the queen of Naboo undercover. But it was convenient to the plot. Apparently. <laughs> that's convenient. the only explanation for a lot of things in this movie. No. Ugh. Oh. Ugh. Oh, it's just. Ugh. Oh. Why. Ugh. Oh, I oh. So.
1: It says about R two, such dedication would ordinarily go unnoticed, but when a crisis envelops the royal starship, R two D two becomes a hero.
0: Again, but like worthy of the Queen of Naboo's attention. Like she, she takes, just saved her life. She takes fifteen minutes out of her day to like let's talk to this droid who
1: just saved her
0: life. If a again it's if like a bomb honoring- dog saved your life, would you be grateful to the Bomb-sniffing dog? Yes, but the dog can't comprehend the fact that I'm grateful. Like, not. I think I
1: think droids can understand human emotions, but I, I, but and the reason I say that is because they're also capable of expressing them. Like,
0: it's pretty evident in what, like, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I guess in the Star Wars universe, there's different like levels of droids' rights act, but it seems like people by and large don't see droids as having like. The no, same the, level the majority of, of
1: people don't. But
0: um, so why does Padme care? That wasn't Padme. Why does Padme Saleh. not Padme care? Like Saleh. Like why would they take time to like do this? It I just don't know.
1: Baffles me. But anyway, um, they, uh, um, um, I had a really good point and I just forgot what it was. Um, there are so many points. What uh, What else would you like I to discuss here? Your... Uh,
0: well, so what? <laughs> I don't know, it just kind of came to me, the the amusing uh, hallway conversations. The hallway conversations? Yeah, you know, like, I guess it's sort of, well, I don't know, I don't know if it's a callback, because I don't know if, uh, if um, actually, no, wait, uh, West Wing might have been around that this movie was made. Kind of these are callback to West Wing, Aaron Sorkin-style, walking down the hallway conversations, except when the Nemoidians have to talk to Palpatine, they're like, And the worst conference call ever. And they have a device that is literally designed to, like, walk and carry a hologram projection for the purpose of being able to walk around a room and talk to somebody when you can just sit at a desk.
1: (laughs) So, okay, it says... Oh, it says, Walking Mechno Chairs... I could see that. Well, Mm -hmm. it says it's a Walking Mechno Chair, and it says, Walking Mechno Chairs are neither comfortable nor practical. However, they are hugely expensive and express the high status of the user and also serve as platforms for hologram transmissions of high-ranking individuals. So they, they have these
0: things. So basically what they're saying in the big paragraph that I just read, it's a status symbol. That's literally its only purpose. So they're, they're walking through hallways and they have a special device. It's a status symbol. That's literally its only purpose. That person. actually does make some sense, sadly. um, What? That it's a status symbol? Oh, this is actually a question I had, though. Okay. Why do the Nemoidians have any kind of power or authority? Well, funny you should ask. Because these do not seem like the caliber of people who have even the will to do that sort of thing, let alone, like, the physical capability to assert dominance. Nemoidians are known for their exceptional
1: organizing abilities. I wouldn't really call them exceptional. Driven by their intense desire for possessions. Sure. Sure. They have built the largest commercial corporation in the galaxy. Okay,
0: here's the thing, though. To, to successfully run any kind of enterprise, any kind of government or, or like, organization... Like Led by Nemoidians,
1: the Trade Federation is a labyrinthine organization of bureaucrats and trade officials. For many worlds, that has, insinu- that has insinuated itself throughout the galaxy. here's okay, the thing. They even in one of the later movies here's the they thing. they say that Newt Gunray has been tried in the Supreme Court five times and he's gotten off every time because he's the trade for the trade viceroy the, of the trade federation.
0: Here's here's the thing. These people do not seem to have real nerve of any kind. Oh, they don't. I, I Well here's the agree thing that to effectively lead any kind of enterprise you need to have some level of risk taking nerve. Like if you don't possess that, you will Probably not succeed. Like, I don't know. Business, it seems to work okay for like, him so far. How? That's my question. Like, how when do these you have
1: be- no morals? You don't need nerve.
0: Hey, but Yes, you do. Like, it takes nerve to like actually commit crimes and to take and the nu- risks necessary Gunray, to get ahead. A commanding head.
1: viceroy of the Trade Federation, new Gunray, wields great authority and is willing to kill. Well, for his far-reaching commercial aims and directs the actions of his secret army from the bridge but of his flagship. like...
0: Because there's a the thing, like... Just maybe going from, like, some kind of, like, weird evolutionary perspective, like... At square one, like, why are the Neboidians wealthy at all? Like, how did they ever obtain wealth? Well, it says, Raised as grubs until the age of seven,
1: young Neboidians are kept in communal hives and given limited amounts of food. The less acquisitive ones are allowed to die as others hoard more, they can, more than they can eat. This practice makes Neimoidians greedy and fearful of
0: death. See, I feel like that would also give them like more courage and pluck than they seem to actually have in the films. As adults, Nemoidians are known for their
1: exceptional organizing abilities. Yeah, their exceptional cowardice. Driven by their intense desire for possessions, they have built the largest commercial I, I corporation like in the this galaxy. This is not
0: answering my question. Why, why does anyone take these people seriously? The
1: Nemoidians' organizational skills come from running mass hives and vast fungus farms on their homeworld of Cairn and And that gives power over other people? Like Trade uh, Federation fighters hauling freighters hauling cargo between the uh, far-flung stars of the Republic are a familiar sight and
0: orbit above many civilized I, worlds. Are they piloting them? Like, I I still don't understand how these people The
1: are cautious by nature, and the Trade Federation has always <laughs> been careful... Stop reading the book and address Listen, the... Listen, <laughs> are cautious uh, by nature... And the Trade Federation has always been careful to hide its acts of extortion and manipulation behind lies and protests of good faith. Their open <laughs> aggression against Boo is new territory for them. I'll say, because they have no nerve to do anything else. Well, that's why they're both scared about the possibility of escalation.
0: Okay, that's my point, though. People who, like, are successful criminals tend to have a lot of nerve. and these They're not criminals. Are bad guy. Like, people who are asserting power, alright? Okay. It takes some level of, like, nerve to actually do that. To, like, have the will to compete and get ahead of other people and take risks that other people aren't willing to take. These do not seem, like, that caliber of individual. These seem, like, kind of... They're not. So, like, they would only possibly succeed in, like, an environment that was built by people braver than them, right? That's... Literally, what I've just been explaining. But who built that environment in the first place? Them, I doubt it. Unless they're like previous generations were like a lot more, you know, aggressive than they were.
1: Did you not pay attention when I said that their entire, the beginning of their existence depends on greed as okay. a form of survival?
0: That, that actually seems contradictory because like. If I grew up in an environment where I had to, like, fight my way to, like, exist, I feel like that would give me a lot more, like, kind of confidence and nerve to, like, take other risks and do things and, you know, be aggressive. These people, like, seem like they've been coddled all their lives and, like, are afraid to do anything that, like, may disrupt, you know, their comfort level they have. Like, it it still doesn't really add up to me. Uh-huh. Uh, I guess we, we don't have an answer for that either.
1: Anyway, continuing. Uh, what else do you have you uh, don't understand? Um, Can we talk for a second about how the Queen of Naboo is only 14, but she got elected... The elected? Th- yeah, that is a good question. <laughs> she's, oh, yeah, she's, she's an elected queen. Can we talk about that for a minute? An elected
0: child queen, yes. Yeah, an elected child queen. I mean, I guess I could see how you could elect a queen... That, that seems actually a lot more sensible than just having one being born into it. But, well, okay, electing says, a child into the position seems a little bizarre. Well, okay, it says,
1: She was raised by humble parents in a small mountain village. Her exceptional abilities were recognized early in life, given the best training and push to develop her capabilities.
0: That sounds like such a dream. She became princess of the... Why can't Thede? real politicians be like this? She
1: became princess of the... At the age of 12... She was elected queen upon the abdication of the previous sovereign, who had become embroiled in outworld politics after a rule
0: of 13 years. Okay. How do you elect a child to a, like, central position of government? She literally is in charge of the entire planet. But but why? I don't know. Like, why would you elect a child? Like, I could see, like, you know, dynasty situations. The Naboo where a child trusted is that Amidala
1: would hold their interests close to her
0: heart. Well, sure. Like, I. I might trust a child to be innocent and thoughtful, but, like, I don't trust their judgment to be, like, you know, making difficult decisions. That's why she has royal advisors. Then why not elect one of them? Why would you... Because... There's also a governor of Naboo. Uh, That's a lower-ranking official. Why isn't he in charge of the whole show?
1: He is a lower-ranking official. It says, as governor of Nabu, the outspoken CEO Bibble oversees all matters brought to the queen's attention. He also um, chairs the advisory council and deals directly with regional representatives, and town governing yeah, officials, and day-to-day day, day like, um,
0: The, but why would they elect a child to this position? I don't know. I, well, I guess we're not gonna solve that mystery either. Well, well what, what else so do you have in your notes? We haven't,
1: we haven't solved any of the mysteries. Oh, well, so far. What other, what other notes do you have? Um, uh, I don't. I don't really have too many other notes.
0: Well, we're, we're, we're well past the ninety minute mark. It may be a good time to, to, to you know, some kind of closing thoughts on this. Um, I, I don't know, think like, we've
1: really accomplished anything. I, you know, I, I don't think we've really accomplished anything that we set out to accomplish. I set out to accomplish
0: nothing. So, I, well, I think then you we succeeded. I think you've succeeded very strongly. Um, do you have any closing uh, thoughts on this film, I guess? or any-
1: I mean, it it served its purpose. We'll say that. What was its
0: purpose, then? Actually, that is one thing I'd like to talk about. Because uh, that this is something that they bring up in the incomparable. Sorry to keep riffing off of them. But you know, one of their biggest criticisms is that this trilogy doesn't really accomplish the purpose of actually explaining Darth Vader very well. And I could actually I agree to, to that agree with, with the other two movies. But I actually think the kid who plays Anakin in this movie, not perfect. Actually, maybe even less so now that I've seen the movie again. But, like, not bad, either. I don't know. He's, he's a little too happy, especially for someone we're supposed to believe has been living a life of poverty and misery. But, He's got a little bit of a kind of darkness about him that's you know kind of believable. So I mean, I, I, as a child actor, I think they did okay in selecting him. I guess they could have done better, but they certainly could have done worse. I think, but uh, you know, I, I think this film, uh, just, does actually play a reasonably good groundwork to. I, I will how say Darth this Vader becomes Darth Vader. I will.
1: I will say, this film of the prequel
0: trilogy is probably the weakest one. Well, uh, we'll see, I suppose, but so what what purpose do you think this film accomplished that you you're it sets up mm, the next two films is really
1: the purpose that it serves. It sets up well like it sets up well it's it introduces you really to the major characters and how they kind They'll of all one of them but yeah and like kind of how they all connect to one another and how they kind of all ended up in the same place at the same time when they didn't all start in the same place at the same time
0: I mean yeah that's kind of like the basic tenet of like what any story should do but okay so yeah i guess it does mechanically accomplish those goals
1: well i will i will say in my ranking of all the Star Wars films and TV shows and what have you, that uh, Phantom Menace, I actually is pretty pretty near the bottom of my pile. Mm.
0: You know, and again, I'm partly biased by listening to the to the incomparable, but. Of the trilogy, I actually, um, like, I, I rank this probably maybe the highest. It's like it's, Of the I, prequel trilogy? As far as the ones I enjoy, I personally would enjoy watching. Like, you know, after watching well, this film today, I feel lighthearted. It well, was a fun film to watch. Let me, let me say this.
1: Of the prequel trilogy alone, two is my favorite to watch,
0: but three is the best film. Well, we'll, we'll get to that, I suppose, but... But to this film, you, you, so it accomplishes its purpose. That's that's about it really though. For you it's still length, ranks pretty I mean, low.
1: Yeah. All right. Let's yeah.
0: I mean still above
1: the holiday special, right? It's uh I would even rank it above Star Wars Rebels, which I know that's controversial because yeah, I assume You'd rank it
0: above the last Jedi so.
1: Well, I would even rank Star Wars Rebels above the last Jedi. The only thing that I ranked below The Last Jedi is the holiday special, so...
0: Yeah, I can't wait till we get to that movie. We um, already did the one
1: for that movie, remember?
0: No, no, that's episode 7. Oh. Uh, you mean right. episode 8, The eight, Last Jedi? Yeah, I mean, numbers, numbers, numbers are hard. We can't even count to two around here, apparently, so... Um, yeah, I guess my final thoughts, I mean, you know... I said this... This film certainly has a lot of weaknesses and clearly a lot of things that cannot be explained or just defy logic entirely. But, you know, as a product of its time, as, like, just a, a one last vestige of, like, in fact, almost maybe even the ultimate expression of just the gaudy, you know, optimism of the 90s. I feel like this film just caps it off perfectly. It reminds me of just simpler, happier times.
1: I think that also kind of was part of its point was that it was supposed to remind you of that.
0: Well, but, but see, that's the thing. I don't think they conceptually realized what they were making at the time.
1: No, I'm sure they didn't, but I think they accomplished that purpose without intending to. Well,
0: like, yeah, I guess that's my point. Just, again, it, it was a product of its time. Like, it, it that's, the film could not have been made the way it was after that era or before it, like, really. Right. like It just, I mean, I guess it could be an 80s film in a way, but... But it is distinctly a product of its own time. And to that... I think a lot of the films in the Star Wars universe well, are. that's... I made that point at the very beginning of this of this treatise, but um, yeah, you know, I just think this I do kind of fondly recollect this film for that reason. Is it great cinema? Mm,
1: even I would be forced to admit it's not the best cinema but I will say this score and... Lightsaber combat in this film surpassed almost everything in the entire franchise.
0: It is a pretty good, pretty good lightsaber fight, although maybe not like mostly as an emotional one, as like you see in the original trilogy. But you certainly can't top the stunt work and the theatrics of it for sure. It's it definitely has that going for it. So that was it's it's actually the top three lightsaber battles. I don't know. I would argue that the one in Episode 7 is pretty boss, too, but that's, again... I don't we'll even get remember the one in Episode 7, so... Yeah, I can't wait to can't wait to subject you to that again, but... Yeah, I I guess that really does wrap it up, though, right? I mean, I think that... I think so. Yeah, that was the project of its time, so we've now watched the first one. We will have to now watch prep ourselves rest. to watch The Clone Wars, is next on the list, right? So... I mean, Attack I, of the Clones. Sorry, not the Clone Wars. That's its own thing. That's that's the TV show. Yeah, we'll watch the Attack of the Clones. I mean,
1: if you would like to do an episode on the TV show, uh,
0: we'll see. We'll see. I, that I, I'd, that I'd could have be to arranged. Really, that really that would, motivate myself to do that, but
1: that that would actually have to come between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith if we're going to do that, though. So you might want to make that decision soon.
0: I suppose. Well, anyway. For anyone who has made it this far, thank you for joining us. I'm sorry for what all you've had to hear. And uh, especially me crunching chips and stuff and and talking about the Phantom Menace. I'm not really sure which is worse, really. But, you know, uh, yeah, this has been us. We'll figure out a name for this podcast eventually. Uh, So tune in next time. Whatever that is.